He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. To infinity and beyond! No crying? There's no crying in baseball! Welcome back to Know Your Cinema Podcast. This is another bonus episode around the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am one of your hosts, Devlin Clemens, and with with me as always is the one and only world TikTok famous Jason Quinn. And this week we are reviewing the, I don't know what year it was, but uh, <laughs> the Marvel classic uh, Iron Man 2 starring Robert Downey Jr. Um, Jason, why don't you start us off, buddy, with uh, your thoughts on uh, Iron Man 2? Right away, this movie is complete ass. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's a uh, it's a fantastic movie. Right out the gate, we get uh, we get a lot of uh, solid interactions in this movie between Don Cheadle and uh, Robert Downey Jr. You get to see Tony Stark slowly coming into his own um, while he's falling apart. Um, we get to. Uh, witness the love kind of uh slowly become a thing with him and pepper Potts, which is a fantastic thing you get to see pepper um kind of kind of grow as a character a lot in this movie she becomes less of a person who's just waiting on tony hand and foot and more of a person who is very much her own person and is like fuck tony I will do whatever the fuck I need to to get by on what I'm supposed to be doing, which is nice. Um, and uh, I think that this movie is kind of pivotal in who Pepper Potts becomes in the greater MCU as far as like just being a strong, independent woman and not just that don't need no man. Yeah, exactly. Um <clears throat> Although she, you know, takes arguably one of the slimiest men in history. So, you know, whatever. But at the same time, Tony Stark is fantastic. So I can't blame him. Robert Downey Jr. in this movie, I'd be like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. We also get uh, Hammer, who I think is, which is honestly a shame because I honestly don't think that we get enough. I I can't think of a, a single time where he comes back. But I feel like the chemistry that him and Robert Downey Jr. have on on screen and like that fucking hate relationship that they have is fantastic. Um, and then, uh, oh my God, what the hell's his name? Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Um, he is he's a damn good villain. I think he's he does a good job. I'm not saying that he's you know the greatest things in sliced bread, but you know, he brings it. I think that he, he does his part well. And um, 
So I honestly I have no complaints. Ooh. I'm more tired than the movie ever made. Excuse the excuse the yawn. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Excuse that. This does have a little tidbit, uh, fun little interesting thing that happens in this movie. Is it the uh, the Tom Holland Spider Man arc? Yeah. Anybody that doesn't know that, there's a scene where, at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, little little Peter Parker hits his little phaser pulser hand out, and then Iron Man leans lands behind him and he goes and blasts the thing. And then that little kid grows up to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so I, I think our opinions are going to be different on this movie. And not necessarily in a bad way. Um, I felt like this movie, when I was watching it, seemed almost like uh, when we reviewed Roadhouse. It felt like it was going in a certain direction and then it kind of tears off in another direction. And I it just felt that way in my mind. It's still a good movie in a sense of visually. It's a, it's a phenomenal movie visually. But the story starts to not take a life of its own, but kind of in parts for what we're looking at because the main story is Tony and the growth of the Tony character and also um, uh, the Don Cheadle character, um, Rhodey. Rhodey. It, it, it's really, it's going somewhere involving them. So I, I get that aspect of things. But when you're putting a movie together and trying to tell a story, I felt like in this one, they were trying to to portray a villain and then make another villain, but then there's not really any, like you said, no payoff to uh, Justin Hammer, the character that's there, and even even so, uh, the Whiplash character either. So, fair enough. I uh I wonder if again it could be that they had planned on using them again but just never decided. To do well, it. here here's what and this is why I went I I do I do some research now because when I start feeling indifferent about a movie in a sense of a story and a sense of this is a a middle part of a of a of an Iron Man series it wasn't the complete end of the Iron Man character because of course we got the Avengers coming up and Civil War and it, it, the Iron Man story continues on so I I understand where they're they're going down this path to kind of keep this Iron Man character uh, relevant in, in within the MCU. So uh, I was reading that uh, John Favreau was having had had one particular direction he was going with this story, and the move the 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 movie execs kept getting involved and in, and in basically wanting him to change his script, and they kept butting in and changing parts of the script and, and parts of the movie and that's why he didn't come back and direct part three because he just got he kept fighting with him getting so fed up with him that he was just like i've had enough of this like i can't take this no more and and like i said i un, i think that's what played in my head i didn't read that prior to watching the movie i read that afterwards but when as i'm watching i'm like something does not feel right 
with this whole story and and what it's being told in front of me i also didn't like the very anticlimactic ending to this movie i felt that it was very rushed i felt that it was very unclimactic at the end with the fight scene at the end uh where they i mean basically the mickey rourke character uh of ivan vanco and aka whiplash i felt like he he got jobbed out real quick two times in all that work that he did like normally in a in a superhero movie the bad guy gets one over on the good guy at least once and ivan didn't get that like he got the to beat up tony a little bit but tony in the in reality kicked his ass and sent him to jail and then he still he his his his, his, his the villains to has to have some kind of uh up comments to to make the hero look stronger but there wasn't any of that this felt like more of a, a conflict between tony and the u.s government which is what the story in itself was is about and where they're going and you just kind of threw side villains in there just to kind of add flavor to it. So Tony had someone to fight up, beat up. So aesthetically, it looks okay. And I didn't really like that about this movie. Um, I understand Terrence Howard had problems with the execs and he couldn't be recasted. I'm not a big Don Cheadle fan. Um, so the recasting of the the Don Cheadle character of, of Rhodey is not my favorite. Uh, I, I'm just indifferent about this movie. I mean, it's still a good movie. Like I said, the the eye test for this this movie is very good. But when you start digging into layers and you start looking at it from a different perspective, it just seems very off. Like almost from what I've watched of the Marvel series, this seems like the most off of all the movies. Um, and I haven't gone back and watched three yet, but I remember three almost giving me the same exact feeling. Um, For the record, three pisses me. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it, I, if I remember correctly, it gives me that feeling too. But I wasn't like, I'm like, I'm not walking away from this movie going, I'm super excited about the next one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. And that's what really kind of gets me upset about this movie is that it didn't leave me wanting more it just kind of was like eh. and and i think i'm not a huge mickey Rourke fan i've seen like maybe three of his films i think sin city and uh holly davidson marvel man and the wrestler and this one this would be the fourth film that i've seen uh, and I'm not a huge fan of his work. Um, I mean, he's awesome in The Wrestler, but I mean, that's kind of because I have, you know, The Wrestler's heart in there, but he also, you know, he feels like a real, you know, like doing a real character. He's a, he's like the forefront of the movie. But anyways, uh, I don't really like him as this villain. I know he did, he put a lot of work and research into it, but I, I guess maybe it's just his acting style and just how he looks and 
and like I said, I know he put a lot of research that even down to like the tattoos he had it was a lot of work for him. And, and hats off to him. I just think that he just got like the bad, the, the bad shaft of this movie, like in how they portray, they actually put him to film that there was more, more to it or what Favreau had in mind, or there was a more of an arc to it. Uh, I mean, clearly Favreau made up with with Disney and Marvel, and yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and because, and Sam, uh, Sam Rockwell, I, I, he's running I, Disney right now, so right. <laughs> he's making him money hand over fist. Um, Sam Rockwell's Justin Hammer portrayal is really good, but he always plays like that little fucking pain in the ass character. He's always really yeah, he's good. a he's really good at being a douche. Like yeah, like he was like yeah, he's a natural douchey guy. I'm sure he's a he's a human. He's a great human being and a really nice guy in person. But when you when you watch him on film, you're probably thinking like that's how that guy really is in real life. Like he's super douchey. Um. Yeah, I mean, this movie still had its funny moments. It still had, it still had the the great action sequences. The visual test is all there. It had a lot more explosions and bang for your buck and uh, the classic Tony Stark trying to figure out uh, how to how to make something uh, better than what it was or come up with this ingenious idea. It had all the things. You know, it's it's basically check marking all the, the normal things on on the marvel movies and the tony stark character i just it just doesn't like i said it, it doesn't i've said this before it doesn't blow my skirt up to to watch this movie it really doesn't Ooh. yeah it, it just i i would i was happy that i watched it but i'm um, at the same time i'm just like i don't i didn't feel satisfied in watching if that makes sense and as a someone who reviews movies and now i'm like i want to walk away from this feeling feeling uh, wanting more especially with marvel movies and and going down that rabbit hole of the marvel cinematic universe and i just felt like this was just eh. another three is going to be probably a way worse review but this wasn't a good follow-up to iron man i think it's i think it may not be a good follow-up to iron man but it's a good lead into the mcu i think because it starts to give us an opportunity to establish um, War Machine in this movie. I think that that's that to me is the climax of the whole thing. Is not necessarily the the fight with Whiplash at the end, um, but more so the the drone fight that they do is to me the bigger climax. But um, and I because I, I really enjoy I enjoy that part of the movie a lot. Um. I like I liked seeing War Machine. I liked I liked getting mad at, in the movie. I liked seeing um Black Widow. Um I love John Favreau's character in the MCU Happy is one of my favorites. I think he's fucking fantastic. He's one of my favorite small characters in this in the entire like Marvel Cin- Cinematic Universe. Um and so getting to you know this is really the first movie where he's actually a character. Like he's in the first one, but he's like just the driver. You know what I mean? Like he's not really doing shit. So this is also the inner in really, in my opinion, like the real introduction to the happy character as well. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in this movie that it's, it sets up and sets a ground for a lot of other things. 
so like even even going with like <clears throat> like the the Howard Stark character eventually they recast Howard Stark or whatever but uh they they give you a lot I I feel like this movie does a good job of establishing different things that we later later on pay off in the MCU the two failures I would say that they had would be not bringing back Justin Hammer um, and I think that's mostly because after phase w- one ends, they've got much bigger fish to fry than what Justin Hammer's bringing to the table. Um, but I still think Justin Hammer is a very interesting character. Um, and then, like you said, the Whiplash character could have probably gotten a little more justice in terms of, of um final bout or uh, really getting his comeuppance on on uh, Tony but I think that he does in that first fight I think that he kind of kicks Tony's ass in that first fight and Tony only barely fucking makes it out so for me I don't I guess I don't feel quite the same as you do in that regard because I'm like Tony fucking Tony gets his ass beat in that first fight in a big way I think in that in <clears throat> that part of the movie where he gets his ass kicked by Whiplash changes him because it's the first time that, you know, I mean, first off he goes from, you know, billionaire playboy to, you know, then he's in the fucking desert and then he becomes fucking Iron Man and he deals with his own self in a lot in that and then eventually he becomes, you know, the Tony Stark we all know and love is Iron Man. But then in the beginning of this movie, he's much more of a cocky asshole than he probably needs to be. And well, Tony's I think that that Tony's whiplash always fight... Dealing, Tony's always dealing... He's, he's always deal, He's a death dealer. <laughs> so he, he's always been dealing in death. And dealing in... When he finally... Tony always gets puts, puts in the situations where... He was for a long time. He was dealing death because he was a, he was a he was an arms dealer. Now right. he's dealing with death, right? He, coming close to death twice. That's what he's been been dealing with, and not death in the sense of like because he's Iron Man, he has a potential to be killed. It's more of like things he has to do to keep himself actually alive outside of that suit. So that's the contrast in this Tony Stark character that I've picked up on over the years is that you've now that you've, you've now you're paying for the sins that you've created and he's having to to basically make amends for that each and every time but when he comes close to death he goes back to old Tony because old Tony didn't give a shit yeah. he wants to live so he's going to live himself to the fullest because he can't figure out a way to to fix it. So he's going to like, I'm going to go get in my own race car and I'm going to race because I don't care if I die. But then when he's actually faced with death, he fights. So there's a lot of sub context going on in these movies with Tony that maybe some people don't pick up on. Um, but understanding, for me, understanding the character, I have to break things down like that sometimes to see a bigger picture 
So I, I personally don't think that Whiplash kicked Tony's ass bad enough in that first fight. Because if, if Tony doesn't have that briefcase, he's a dead man. But he yeah. gets the briefcase and then like immediately whoops this dude's ass. But I, Iron Man, for Whiplash to have a, a feel of of pre, of of revenge and preservation, he needs to have hurt Tony in some some way. Whether he hurt Pepper or he hurt Tony himself, he needs to have that. He only barely scratched Tony. And that entire thing. Tony wrecked the car, walked away from it. Tony got ex- the explosion, walked away from it. And then at the end, like that's supposed to be his his uh, his crowning moment with the suit that he created, and it just proves how better of uh, a creator Tony is than him. And it it did take two people to beat Whiplash, but. I just think that a number one, that fight scene at the end could have been a lot longer and B, uh, I think that the, we should have had somewhere in the middle where he, cause he got out of jail. He should have been able to get one over on Tony and he didn't. I think, I think he does. I think that it's, it's less of a physical getting one over on him and more of like, he hurts Tony's, pride and his reputation in a way that Tony thought he was kind of invincible and that in in that regard like he felt like now that I'm fucking Iron Man what the fuck else, like what else could you possibly do and so I think that once once that happens and once he see, gets that taste of like oh, okay some people can actually do some shit that changes the game for him well I also think a lot of it it's it was super personal where you know he said that his father was you know uh Tony's father was a bad bad man and he ruined his family and stuff like that and, and that kind of as much as Tony acts like his father didn't give a crap about him he still loved his father and so that and to talk about Tony's dad like no one really ever talks about Tony's dad unless they knew him personally and to attack his, his dad and his family pride like that, that hurts Tony more. Cause that's something like Tony loves control and he can't control that because he, he doesn't know if it's a lie. That's why he was researching it with Jarvis and he couldn't find anything. He's like, we got nothing. You know, here's the, here's the facts. And then basically Nick Fury was like, no, this is what your father did. Yeah. So he's faced with the reality of that. So, I mean, yeah, in a way, it, he does hurt him mentally, but I still, as of, it's a comic book movie, and I get that there has to be some psychological warfare, but I still want, I still want to see that villain get a one-over on the hero. I want to see that. You could have had Whiplash in two movies, you could have had him get over on Tony in this movie and then come back and do a third one, but I just, like I said, to me, it's unfulfilling, and it's not. It's not saying that there aren't bits and pieces that are correct and and that part of the story makes sense. It's just it's unfulfilling. As number one, a comic book fan, I don't even need to know the characters to understand that. 
and and I I don't know that it just it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth. It just is like I'm indifferent to the movie, and it's really it's really because of that part and just how the story just felt mi- mixed and matched and and then to read Favreau, uh, you know he was having problems with the studios butting in, and he was like, but you know tell him to butt out. I'm doing this. I'm doing it my way, and and they kept they kept coming at him and they made kind of basically made him change the movie around that that also kind of fed into it a little bit after i read it but i'm like okay now it kind of feels like i can feel that when i watched it i don't know it's just weird this was a this is a weird one yeah i mean it's it's i don't know i enjoyed it but i i mean i i can see your points i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong but i i i right I still came. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sit here, and, and I'm sure somebody's at home just, you know, breaking down everything I say. Again, these are just movie review opinions. I mean, I I, I watched Siskel and Ebert growing up, and there were times where they were like giving movies two thumbs up, and I'm like, man, this movie is garbage. Why would you? But it would, you know, it, that's their opinion. That's their right to give that opinion, and and everybody has their own taste in movies music whatever it's you know i'm not a huge you know top 40 pop music fan but jason over here is so i'm sure if i asked jason about some hot new music like he would be able to tell me some hot new music it's like if jason has a wrestling question he's going to come to me and ask me the wrestling question because he knows that i'll probably know the answer but because jason barely watched wrestling in the 90s so he knows enough to get himself around but he doesn't know he doesn't know enough to like if there was a hard question asked him like if he was on who wants to be a millionaire and there was a wrestling question i'm sure i'd get that phone call i'm sure i'm the lifeline oh yeah you can fucking bet on that (laughs) yeah just you know it's an opinion and the whole point of this podcast is to have opinions about movies good bad or whatever i mean people will sit here and, and yeah well people will say that you know, uh, Mad Max was is, is a great film, and those people are wrong. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's all about your taste in in movies and and what you see through your eyes, and trying to you know when we when we talk about them is trying to have that one person who's listening that's really not convinced that it's either a good movie or a bad movie, and and being able to maybe put something in their head again. I see things a little differently than, than Jason does. And again, it's, it's, this movie is not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not a bad movie. It's just, it has an odd structure to it. It has an odd villain in it, in the sense that like the villain is not a hundred percent by the book the way it's supposed to be. And it's okay to come off of that you don't have to do it a hundred percent by the movie book and how movies are, are laid out. But this one just doesn't have the feel of like a normal hero villain movie. And it, it just something that really irks my chain. I mean, I get it. It's uh you're, 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 you're not wrong that one no. of the major villains of this movie is the U.S. government. Well, they're one of the major villains of reality. All the movies and the in the real of reality of 
what we live in right now. That's a whole other different discussion. But it it literally <laughs> it literally st- a huge political statement about private weapon ownership. The government will say you can have guns, but you can't have no weapon that fires missiles. God forbid that. But the government can have missiles. How much sense does that make? They always got to be the biggest, baddest motherfucker in the... Right. It's about who has the biggest stick. Well, if the U.S. government doesn't have the biggest stick, they want the biggest stick. And that's what they did. Well, we're going to come... We're going to come take your stuff. You know, it's... It's just a huge... Uh, God, did we have to cast Gary Shandling in this movie, too? He is one of the ugliest dudes I've ever seen. That guy looks like someone's leather couch, and they shoved an air hose in it. He looks like a congressman, though. He sounds like a congressman, too. I think that's why they, they cast him, because he just... He feels he feels so right for the he, God, he just... He, he's annoying, and not, not in the good kind of way, like... Hey, I'm acting and I'm annoying. No, you're annoying because you're just annoying. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but he he plays a congressman well. I will just I despise that dude. I can't. Yeah, he. Something about his face makes me want to punch it. You know what I mean? I get it. I just change your face, or I'm changing it for you. Yeah, right. I get it. It just there's something about it, but that's. But to me, that's expert casting. When you want me to hate somebody and you put him in the role, I'm instantly like, well, fuck that guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to, a, to an extent, like, I'm sure people will praise Gary Shanley for being some kind of great comedian or whatever. And I was, ne- I've never been a fan of that guy ever. He's supposed to be funny. Yeah, Gary Shanley was a stand up comedian. He was a, and he had his own talk show. Before your time, kid. Yeah, it was only on on for three years, so. It does say that he was supposed to be funny at one point in time. Okay. Well. And he appears in more Marvel Universe movies, so. As a douche? Um, No, as the same character. He appears in Winter Soldier as Senator Stern. As well, I don't know if it's archival footage or whatever, but he appears in that movie. Well, dope. Yeah, I just, you know, but let's move that's on a, to. Um, we have done, I've done enough talking about. Yeah, Iron let's Man. get into our favorite scenes and stuff. <laughs> My favorite scene is actually the the scene when. Uh, Tony thinks he's, you know, he it's the, it's gonna be his last hurrah for his birthday, and he just dons the suit, and just parties in the suit, and then uh, him and Don the Gallagher, yeah, him and Don Cheadle decide to have a a little battle royale inside his house. Uh, a fisticuffs. Yeah, I find that uh, entire scene very humorous. Uh, I uh, I agree with you. That's the that's the best scene in the film. I especially appreciate uh, one particular part um, when uh, DJ AM 
uh, is crouched behind his uh, equipment, and he's like, "Hey, uh, hey, Goldstein, uh, which is DJ AM's real last name, uh, can you give me a fat beat?" And he, him, and Don Cheadle fight um, over Queens. Another one bites the dust. Which is ooh. yes, Queen always does it for me. You can put on, you put Queen in the soundtrack. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Queen is the greatest rock band of all time. And anybody that is, is listening right now that thinks that I'm full of shit, Queen wrote a song about a bicycle, and it was a hit. It's such a good song. So um, take that, Rolling Stones. I agree. Queen I keep seeing the thing on TikTok, like, uh, who's the most overrated band? Like, how can you piss, piss somebody off? And I want to, like, do a TikTok and just be like, all right, the Rolling Stones. I I would still go Metallica. No, because I was a fan of Metallica for for a lot of years, and then I really like the song revealed. "Paint It Black" by the Rolling Stones. I, that's my only that's my only song that I like of the Rolling Stones. That's it. I don't I. That's I all can't I stand the Rolling Stones at all. I've never thought they were good. I get their contribution to 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 rock music, but I'm not a fan at all. Yeah. Wait, didn't they do that song with David Bowie or something? Yeah, it was it was uh, Mick Jagger and David Bowie. It was a collaboration. Yeah, I, I just I'm not a fan. I'm sorry, and anybody that's upset and doesn't want to be doesn't want to listen to this podcast anymore because of it, I'm very very sorry. And I'm sure I'm sure Lucas will chime in. You turn if you if. You... You tune into this movie review podcast and you're like, oh, that guy doesn't like Rolling Stones? Fuck that guy. I'm just saying, like, I mean, I've seen people turn on other people for worse. I mean, I'm sure Lucas, uh, our good friend who was a co-host on here, will uh, will definitely hear this and probably post up on the uh, the Facebook page uh, whether he cares about the Rolling Stones or not. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never I've never been a fan of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I actually was super upset when I found out that Painted Black was the Rolling Stones. You're like, oh, damn. That's I was like, song. I actually like something that they did. I, like I, had a, um, I got, a, I got, a, I got, a, I got to praise my, um, my, uh, my teacher in high school. His name was Mick Childs, nice. and uh, coolest teacher ever. So we, I was in a program called OWA, same Z's, which uh, you know you get paid to work in school, and. Uh, but he actually, we actually had to take like a, a class with him, uh, and he he taught history. So my my history class for my freshman year was with Mick. So part of the OWA program is that you know we'd have to go um, learn how to like do stuff at a bank and uh, like cash our checks and you know get an account and all that stuff. So. Uh, We'd have to, we had a school van and he would drive the school van, take us all to the bank and we our checks cashed and he would play music uh, when we would go and it was like old 70s rock. And so Mick's side job, he was a radio DJ at one at the local station where I'm from and he had like Sunday nights and he would play uh, some old school music like 70s. And so he were he's got a whole like collection of music that's on this tape i'm aging myself here and he would play it when we were going there and so that's how i got exposed to a lot of like the older music uh and painted black the first time i ever heard it was 
driving to <laughs> driving for to to the the bank uh, when I was in OWA. And I never knew it was the Rolling Stones. I was just like, oh, this is a this is a cool song. And then later on, I found out that it was them. And I'm like, because I'd heard other Rolling Stone songs, and I'm like, ah, this isn't good. This isn't good. So, um, that's off the Mike Childs too. I know, I know he probably doesn't listen, but he was he was a great teacher. My uh, my OWA teacher was also my history teacher, and he introduced me to the Beatles. So that was that was where I got my first taste of like pure Beatles love. Okay. Um, hugest Beatles fan. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Mr. Calvert was the greatest. Um, where were we? we did favorite scenes? What's next? Favorite quote. Yes, favorite quote. There's, oh, <laughs> uh, there's the scene in Monaco. Is it Monaco where they're at? When they're, when they're at the race, when they're in the yeah, I think so. The little the little dinner, and they're at the bar, and Pepper goes, yeah, I don't can't remember the girl's name. She's like, let me find her name. Is the it's the reporter. Oh, it's gonna bug me now. Random reporter from the first. Well, no, it's from the yeah, it's from the first film. Give me a second here. Let me figure out her name. Uh, oh Jesus! Really? Okay, it's uh Christine Evert Everhart. She says, "Uh, Christine, Christine did a spread for Tony last year." And Tony says, and she wrote an article. <laughs> that is a good one. I laughed so hard at tongue-in-cheek humor. That was funny as hell to me. Because I, I I, could tell Pepper was jealous. And she was, she was trying to be professional, but still throw that sly comment out there. And Tony was just like, you know what? I'm just going to say it. And she wrote an article. <laughs> So Pepper, Pepper didn't look like the goon there. Tony looked like the goon. Right. Um, honestly, I think my favorite line is still is probably the one that you just mentioned from the last scene, the give me a fat B to beat my buddy's ass to. I think that shit's funny as hell. I not either that or like the scene like in right before the they start fighting when he's like you know, everybody keeps asking me how when how I go to the bathroom in a suit and he's like just did just did that I don't that's fucking funny uh well I think that's that scene's made because you think everybody's left and he's like hey Goldstein and and, and DJ AM kind of pops his head up and he's like me fat beat to beat my buddy's ass too <laughs> oh yeah that's a good that's a good that's a good line too I appreciate that line yeah. Um, where are we at? Uh, we did scenes, quotes, performances. Performance. You know, I really would like to give it to um, Sam Rockwell. As minute of a performance as he has, it's still really good. But 
I can't give it the rock one. I just can't. Robert Downey Jr. plays such a phenomenal Tony Stark. And it gets better. Like, his performance in this movie is better than the first one. And I have to give it to him. It just I have to give it to, to Robert Downey Jr. because he he beat his prior performance and I gave it gave it the performance for the last one. So it has to be that one. It has to be it has to be the portrayal of Tony Stark. I will second that as well. He is just fantastic as Tony Stark. He just he's born to play it. Some people are just born to play roles. Yeah. No, it, it, it's the truth. Like it's perfect casting and and he did his research and has brought to life uh, a character uh, even though some of the movies fall off the the cliff uh he still brings it every time so yeah and then uh, and then ratings while this is still a good movie um I'm not, like I said, I, it's not something that I want to go back to and watch over and over again. Uh, I have it. I own it on DVD. It's because I have, I was starting to, to collect the Marvel movies as I watched them. So um, I don't want to really crap on this movie, but I don't really want to not give it a fair rating. So I think for me, it's going to be an eight. I um I'm actually gonna join you on that. I think it's an eight two. I um you know I'm gonna give it an eight five. I'm gonna give it an eight five because I gave Roadhouse a seven, and this movie is at least a point and a half better than Roadhouse. Yeah, I I, I think I, I'm only I'm only giving it a point higher than Roadhouse because it while it's still it's still a great movie and it's cinematically light years above it. I just something about and like i said when we were reviewing roadhouse something about character arcs and the way things are portrayed on screen and it almost had that same feel like we talked about in the roadhouse episode how there was like an hour of uh, two hours of movie completely cut out of roadhouse that we don't know about and with favreau having such conflicts with the studio was things rewritten that didn't make that that didn't flow right or would we have gotten something completely different if he, he was still on par with everything does that make sense yeah no, it does. i just like i said something midway through this movie just kind of feels completely like left turn and off and then kind of circle back circles back around to where it was originally gonna go like it just i don't know for me that's how it feels like it feels like it's going smoothly and then it's like breaks left turn we'll go around the object and then we'll get back on the road and then the that's end right. is completely shit to me as well that's yeah. what really hurts me in this film that's why a lot of the points come off the board is because the ending of this film is shit to me okay fair enough um i feel like that wraps it up for for us for iron man 2 Next week, we've got Thor as our bonus MCU episode. But before that, on Tuesday, we are watching Disney's Frozen. Really looking forward to Thor. He really wants to see Frozen. Not so much Frozen. He really wants to see Frozen so bad. Let it go. 
<laughs> What'd you say? I said I will not let it go. I was making uh, a frozen joke there. I know. I, I, You're supposed I, to friggin' laugh. I got the fucking joke. I need you to laugh. Oh, fuck. Okay, that's better. Give me the fucking the start. Sympathy, sympathy laugh. I'll take it. At this point, you didn't even laugh. I make that joke a lot, so I can't really. I got you. Anyways, folks, uh, thank you again for tuning in to the bonus episode of Know Your Cinema podcast. So we're going to be doing a lot more of these. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, for the next uh, few weeks. So please hang in there with us, and we appreciate all the love and support you guys give us. Uh, again, we do this for the love of cinema and uh, just the sheer love. And the love of you. The love of you, yeah. The love of you. The love of getting on here and just talking and, and giving our opinions about movies and and just having some fun at the same time and getting to laugh a little bit. Um, but yes, please tune in next week uh, on Tuesday for uh, the episode for Frozen and then come back next Thursday for uh, a bonus episode for Thor, another continuation down the Marvel Universe. Uh, but before we go, we do like to leave you with a couple of sayings, one of which is my best friend's. Um, he used to say this all the time, and it really strikes a chord with me, and I know that we have had a pretty shitty year um, with COVID and everything going on in the world uh, with you know elections and everything else. But if you look around, everything's starting to get a little bit better and go back to normal. And for me, everything is right in the world. And today, all is right in the world. And I always like to go out on my favorite movie quote of all time. You know, a quote that I live my life by, which is never take life too seriously because you'll never make it out alive. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Frozen on Tuesday and bonus episode Thor on Thursday. Have a good night. Talk to you later, folks.